Do you have bad audio? Does it sound like you're talking in a can? If so, you're in the right place because today we're going to talk about three tips to fix your audio. I'm Alina Bond, a content marketer and creator of Effortless Engine. We help thought leaders to build online authority. And today I'm joined by a special guest, Josh Krotz, my audio engineer. And Josh is going to help us fix our audio. So Josh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Can you please take a moment and introduce yourself? Of course. My name's Josh. I do audio things (laughs) in a widely (laughs) general sense. Um, I've been a musician for I don't know, forever. So I always liked, you know, music and sounds and everything. And then I went to school to learn how to record music. And let's see, the place I went to is like this super little, it's like a little school that's in the woods in Ohio, like in the middle of nowhere. So you just go to this place and they have like a bunch of studios and just every day of the week, all you do is learn how to do that. Wow. And then I left school and realized that in order to do this correctly, school doesn't actually teach you anything that you need to know about it, (laughs) but it was fun. And you know, you and I work together on a lot of episodes. So today uh, we're just going to talk about, you know, what are some tips that my clients can use to optimize their offices so that they can have better acoustics on their show. And so we're going to talk about the equipment you need, how you need to set up your room and all that fun stuff. So Josh, let's just dive right into things. First off, what is your perfect formula for great sounding audio? Mm, well, the real answer is that there isn't one. Oh, no. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that you can do to make it better. You know, okay. like it's it's almost it's kind of hard to answer because every room is different. So every room sounds different. So mm-hmm. every every space is going to require very specific things in order to sound great. Right. Like, for example, if you a lot of people use the Yeti like you have, and that's called mm-hmm. Uh, a condenser microphone so it's and this is a dynamic mic so like I have a fan in the back but you probably can't hear it because it only it's like very focused oh okay and a a condenser mic is like way more sensitive and will pick up a lot of sounds around you okay for example I know this guy who runs a studio and uh, he has like a couple like really like four or five six thousand dollar microphones and they have these really highly treated rooms that are like so quiet Mm -hmm. and they kept hearing this pounding and they're like I can hear it in the microphone is it like on the roof Mm. is there someone like working on a building next door and like they tried to narrow it down and what it was is the mic was so sensitive that it was picking up the singer's heartbeat (laughs) (gasps) what yeah wow crazy but one thing you can do is uh you know all Like if you're going to use a laptop, like a lot of people just use a laptop to record because that's what they have Mm because, you know, so just try it in all of your different rooms and see which one is the quietest Uh, try to avoid being in corners because the sounds build up in the corners. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. So Mm. let's, let's look at it kind of on a scale. Let's start where, okay, somebody's first starting off, you know, they're just getting started and they don't really want to invest that much. What is a bare minimum setup they can use? And then we'll work our way up. Okay. So like, I guess the bare minimum, like the absolute worst thing you could use that would work would just be a laptop's video and audio. Okay. So like I said, you can try uh, different rooms. You can try 
being closer to your computer because the farther away you are like if i pull this farther away you can probably still hear me but there's way more room noise and it automatically just sounds worse mm -hmm. right so another thing you can do is like and people never think about this but they don't drink water before they record so there's mm -hmm. this like clicky spit kind of sound that's gross that once you do like compression and stuff to like level everything out like it, you can't without manually going in there and cutting all of that out you can't get rid of that so drink water like an hour before you record huh. and another thing you can do is record in a space that has like a lot of couches or you can do this thing where you take a bookshelf and you take one book and face it out and then the other one and turn the spine the opposite direction and do that in random intervals and it creates kind of like this thing behind me where it, like oh. the sound hits it and then spreads out instead of just coming right back at you so if you have like a big bookshelf you could mm -hmm. record in front of that because a lot of people don't think about this either but like my mic is pointing this way mm -hmm. so the room reflections back there are what this is going to pick up not the ones from this direction okay so you could sit in front of sit on a couch that's in front of a bookshelf would be probably your best bet if you don't want to like get actual acoustic treatment because if you're mm -hmm. doing a zoom call recording you don't need to like spend money on acoustic treatment right but. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And that's so funny. Anyone who's watching the video, you can see behind me, I have a, a bookshelf and I turn all my books backwards. And some people will say, why are all your books backwards? And I say, well, because I don't actually like all the different colors showing <laughs> one color, but hey, didn't know that it was helping my audio too. Yeah, <laughs> so just flip some of them around randomly and it'll sound a little better. Okay, only the only the ones that match. Okay, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> okay, so then if somebody wants to invest, say, a hundred bucks, and they want to, you know, up their microphone a little bit, what would you suggest mm -hmm. that they use? Okay, if you want to spend a little bit of money, but not a lot, you can get a dedicated audio interface. Okay, which is like just a little bo USB box that so you plug uh, one of these cables into. It's like an XLR. Let me, I have extras, hold on. Okay. So like in the professional audio world, anything that's USB is like, no, never use oh, that. Okay. But a lot of people do that because it's easy because you don't need mm -hmm. an interface. So the interface is basically a box that plugs into your computer and then the output of your mic, which is this kind of cable, mm -hmm. plugs into that. And it, it's called an audio interface and it acts as an interface between like, it handles all of the sound and okay. sends it to your computer and then you record through whatever program you have so you could get a like like this mic was a hundred dollars you could get this and then a hundred dollar interface good to go okay that sounds good well, what do you think about lavalier mics the ones that just clip onto your your jacket those are good they normally sound good too uh they a good one is a little bit expensive it's like more expensive than this and then you also depending on it can be more expensive in the end, really. Mm, okay, that's good to know. Okay, now let's talk about the one that everybody, I feel like really likes in podcasting. I feel like a lot of people will look at the snowball, which is a little um, circular microphone. And then this one's the Yeti. I'm just gonna hold it up real quickly for everybody to see. This is the Yeti microphone. I feel like uh, a lot of podcasters like to take pictures with it and all that. But Josh, can you talk to us a little bit about if somebody has a Yeti, what are the right um, settings that we should be using with with the Yeti microphone? All right, let me pull one up so I can look at all the dials. That yeah. I want. 
So there's um, there's the gain. That's going to be the most important thing. Right. Can you Definitely. talk to us about um, like how much gain do people need to use with their microphone? Okay. So, and this applies to people who do music too. A lot of people think that you have to get like back in the day when you were recording to tape, there's a thing called the noise floor. Okay. And it's like an overall like hiss that every audio recording will have. And like, it is so much quieter than it was 50 years ago. Okay. You know? So everyone thinks you have to record as hot as you can without clipping. And, mm. you know, when you're doing a podcast, you're going to be laughing mm -hmm. and you can't like control how loud you laugh because it's a natural response. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if you're cranked all the way up, as soon as you laugh, you're going to have so much terrible distortion and you can't once you like distort on the way into a recording, you can't get rid of that. That's forever. Okay. You know? mm -hmm. So just like if you have your program you're recording to pulled up, a lot of the faders on the track will have numbers like zero, negative 15, whatever, like to show you how loud your track is. Mm -hmm. And you can record at negative 15. And that should be fine for everything unless you're just going to be screaming directly into your microphone. <laughs> okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah, the easiest thing to do is record into it and like, look at it while you're adjusting the gain and then test it. Mm -hmm. And what I think a lot of people don't do when they go to record is they don't do like a test recording in the beginning. They just like put the settings where they normally go and then record. And that's not necessarily a great way to do that. Like you want to like have everybody on your show or whatever. Everyone's mic is up, do a test recording, make sure all the levels are good and then stop, get rid of that and then start your actual episode. Yeah, exactly. I think that's important too. There's nothing worse than recording an episode and you listen to it and the sound is just completely off or mm -hmm. maybe something was wrong with your microphone and you have to do it all over again. Yeah, and the content was good and now you have to fake it. Exactly, exactly. Nothing worse. So yes, definitely need to be doing test recordings. So back to the gain. Usually I tell my clients who have the Yeti, okay, if the gain is all the way to the left, I learned that you're you're only supposed to turn it maybe a quarter, a little bit up. You don't really need more than that. Is that true? Uh, it really, I mean, it depends because like some people, you can use that with an interface depending on the one you have. There's a USB one and then one that comes with the XLR connectors, which is this thing that I showed you. Okay. And uh, every interface has a different level of headroom in the preamp. But also, if you this is unreal, this is not exactly your question, but if you're using the Yeti and you're using an external preamp, turn the gain on the Yeti all the way down because then you're like using two preamps and that's not gonna be great. Okay, so but if you're using just the one, just do the thing where you like pull up something that sh visually shows you your level. Okay, and then get it at like a healthy level where it's not too quiet, but it's not too loud. And then you can try like yelling a little bit or laughing and see if you clip or not. And if you're not clipping, but it's not like this little baby signal, mm -hmm. you're good. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so then the other button that's on the Yeti microphone is the pattern knob. Can you talk about which setting we need to be using? Okay, so uh, the cardioid one is definitely the one you want to use because the other ones apply to different things like that would be if you were trying to do something like really specific so like the stereo one records in stereo which there could maybe be a use for that i would never use that for anything 
okay. cardioid one means that it picks up like right here like obviously if there's something loud over there you're going to hear that but it basically is focused like right in this area okay omnidirectional means it picks up and all around you so like if you were recording I mean, you wouldn't use this mic for that, but if you were recording like a bluegrass band and they all would like stand in a circle around it, you would get everyone at the same time. And then bi-directional means it picks up from the front and the back at the same time. So that would be cool for like if you had two people singing and you wanted them to like emotionally interact with each other, mm -hmm. it might be easier to use one microphone than to like have two if they were like locking eyes and being all like away about it. <laughs> Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Can you talk a bit about the the placement of your microphone? Um, I think we talked before that the angle of the microphone is important too, right? Mm -hmm. So like every microphone picks up in a different place. Like mine, you know, is right here. Yours is kind of like a capsule like that. So you'd have to find out where in cardioid mode it picks up the best. I have another example. Okay. Like I can, you can't, you won't be able to see it on the camera, but the capsule is like inside of here facing like this way. So you would sing like into it, like this oh. like from the top or whatever. Okay. And there's a thing called the proximity effect. So like the closer you get to it, the deeper your voice gets. Mm. And you know, on podcasts, like that deep kind of like nineties radio sound is what people seem to want. Yeah. So like, if you're this far away, you're not going to get that. It's going to sound weird and there's going to be more room noise. So basically you want to be like as close as you can to it, but you can also get too close that it starts to sound bad again. Okay. So typically like this distance, like five inches, maybe three to five inches is probably optimal. So that I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like I have some clients who, you know, I mean, we're doing video recordings too, so they kind of want to use their hands more, but I think when they do that, they're too far away from the microphone, even though they're using a nice microphone, mm -hmm. but I'm saying, you know, it, yeah, the video looks good, but I think they need to sit closer to the microphone, right? So what can they do if they want to use a nice microphone and also, you know, uh, kind of get more of their hands in the shot if they want to step away. Do you think at that point you're, you're better off using a lavalier mic on? Yeah. Those people will definitely need that, or they just have to be cool with having the mic in the shot. Yeah. Okay. That's what people I like microphones and recording equipment because, like, a lot of people don't understand how it works. So they're just like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. Joe Rogan's thing is all up in his face. But if it wasn't, it would sound bad. Mm -hmm. A lot of people buy the mic that he uses, which is called an SM7B, and then they don't think it sounds good because they don't get close enough to it. And, like, you have to be in this area in order to get that sound. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing that we have to remember with podcasts. It's really more about what we're saying. You know, you can have a nice clean background behind you again, but the point is to, you know, really emphasize what we're saying here. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, last couple questions. So if we're doing these recordings, I just tell my clients, you know, just use Zoom. It's worked for us. But if somebody wants to kind of step it up and have better audio recordings, do you know what kind of software they could use to record that on? There's a bunch of different ways to record audio. Um, since I mostly do music, I don't know too much about the ones that like uh, audition for example is like really good for that if you have the adobe suite already you just record right into that and then it is plug and play with your video software and everything like that and then audacity is a free version 
And then most of the other ones I know of are like full programs that do like music and everything else. And having to pay for that seemed, unless you're like making money on your podcast, you don't necessarily need to buy like a legitimate program. Just get audacity for now. Okay. That makes sense. So say somebody does their recording, maybe they use Zoom or Audacity. What kind of post-production work needs to be done with an audio recording? Usually what I do, and <laughs> it's different now because everyone, even people who are on like bigger podcasts to record at home now because they have to. Mm-hmm. so the first thing I always do is EQ out as much of the room noise as I can like I'll do like this really small surgical notch and like find where it's the loudest and pull that out okay and then after I you remove the parts you don't want then I'll add EQ to boost the parts you do want like the presence of your voice and like maybe a little more bass mm. and after that is compression and compression basically like takes the louder parts and makes them a little quieter and then takes the quieter parts and makes them a little louder. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to ex- explain compression to people that don't know what it is, but if you hear it, you'll be like, Oh, it's that it's that sound. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And very- then there's a thing called a DSer, which like pulls out the S's in your voice, because mm-hmm. once you compress, like those are going to be louder. And then maybe a little more compression, maybe some gating if your room noise is really bad or if you have like a dog in the background, you don't want to manually cut that out. You can have a gate, which basically says at this threshold, I'll let the audio through and then below the threshold, I cut out everything. Okay. And then if it's really bad, you use a noise removal plugin. Okay, wow. Josh, do you have any last tips for any entrepreneurs who are starting their podcast, recording from home, using Zoom? getting all set up, what kind of tips would you give them to, to have better audio? Well, the biggest thing you can do is like use your ears. Like everybody has them, but no one seems to like focus on that. Everyone focuses on video. Oh, my dog just came in. Hello. (laughs) Everybody focuses on video, but no one pays attention to the audio. When, when you're doing a podcast, that's like all that actually matters. Mm-hmm. like if you have a cool background but your mic sounds bad like no one's gonna care right exactly and the only other tip is that if you're gonna pay someone else to do it for you but you don't want to pay like a decent price you're gonna get someone who doesn't really know what they're doing and it's not gonna even sound better it might sound worse mm-hmm. yeah exactly. or you can hire me yes exactly and so on that note josh if people would like to work with you where can they get in contact with you uh, my email is Josh Crotts, J-O-S-H-C-R-O-T-T-S at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, Josh, thank you for your time. It was great speaking with you. I'm excited to get this out to my clients so anyone could improve their audio. And if you are interested in talking about your content marketing strategy with me, please visit effortlessengine.com where you can apply to book a consultation. We'll help you power your message into new territory. What are you waiting for? The world is waiting to join your journey.